Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into the Sheila Zelensky Show. Make sure that you are following me on social media. Sheila Zelensky, all one word on Instagram. On Twitter, it's at Real Sheila Z. Facebook, Real Sheila Z. If you are not already one of my patrons on Patreon, please do support me over there. And for those of you that have the means, please do become a premium partner. This show is 100% listener supported. It's ad-free listening, no sponsors, no advertisements. There's also other ways to support this ministry, including you can send check or money order to Box 396, Woodland Hills, California, 91365. And you've asked for some ways to donate that are simpler, like Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, and there's PayPal and GoFundMe options. And we've made a lot of convenient ways for you to donate. So check those out. The information's up on your screen. You can simply go to SheilaZelinsky.com and just know that we pray for every one of our supporters. Well, I've got an incredibly powerful show today. He is back on the program. I had so much feedback from a show we did on Freemasonry about a year ago, and he's back to do a little deeper digging into that show, and I've linked that below in the description if you have not listened to that. Do listen to it. It's called Secrets of Freemasonry, and today I'm calling this Deeper Secrets of Freemasonry, and this is going to be something else. Here to lay this out for us is Pastor Randy Ritchie from Christ Outreach Oklahoma Ministries. That's ChristOutreachOklahoma.com. The information is up on your screen. Randy, it's great to have you on the program. I'm just going to hand you the mic and you take it away. Yes, ma'am. I'd love to. Thank you very much. I'm going to talk to you tonight. I have a book and uh, I picked up this book a long time ago and it's not a book I recommend that uh, a lot of people go out and get because of what's contained in it. But I picked it up for research purposes and, and I've glanced at it a time or two, but I picked it up and started exposing some of the pages in it on my Facebook page the other day. And Sheila called me and said, why don't we talk about this? Why don't we bring this out? And the difference between this and many other books is most of the time when we talk about Freemasonry, we're, we're going to be talking from the viewpoint of uh, somebody that's come out, like Mr. Jim Shaw, and who was a 33rd degree Mason and came out and exposed them as he should have, and we thank the Lord for that and for the information he brought forth and the ministry that that, that has worked through them. Um, and other times, often from Christians that are exposing Freemasonry. And when we're going to expose them, even when I do it and when I did it in the past, I'm going to go find out what they say and expose what they say and compare that to the Word of God. But in doing this tonight, I'm, I'm really hoping that there are some Freemasons that will listen to this that have decided they believe in Jesus, but may be blinded still to the truth of the problems with Freemasonry and the contrast and the conflicts between this organization and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And even for those family members, because listen, my dad was a 32nd degree Mason. He was a tormented man, and 
and he's passed away now. But there are many, many people. So we don't hate Masons. Most Masons. Matter of fact, I'm going to talk to you about depths of Freemasonry. The dark depths of Freemasonry as quoted by this man. And he's presenting it as good, obviously, because it's from their viewpoint. But most Masons, your average guy across these towns doesn't really have a clue. He is hoodwinked. Uh, they are spiritually blindfolded. Most most Christians, truthfully, are ignorant. And that's not a slander, but it is the truth that most Christians are ignorant. Now, the, my Bible says, Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish and are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's God speaking about his people. Many, many people have grandpas or uncles or even their fathers that are alive today or passed on or women that were in the Eastern Star, grandmothers, aunts, those things that are seen by all means to be decent people. And they really probably are, but they're deceived. And the minute they joined in hands with this organization and the minute they started taking their oaths, they were blindfolded. My hope is in doing this tonight is that you'll see the depths this what i'm going to be quoting from is a masonic author and now i'm not going to give you his name i'll tell you the name of the book it's secrets and practices of the freemasons and you can probably go find it yourself if you'll go do a, a search but the author is a writer, lecturer, and philosopher. He was initiated into Freemasonry in 1990 and raised in 92, it says. He was a grand officer in France. Then he left Europe and joined regular Freemasonry in North America, a master mason, a past master. Currently belongs to several grand lodges, 32nd degree in Scottish Rite. He is a royal archmason. That means he also went up to York Rite. His philosophical and spiritual foundation, it says, is rooted in Neoplatonic and Hermetic traditions. And he's currently the Grand Master of the Ordo Aram Solis. And I just looked that up. I'll spell it for you. O-R-D-O-A-U-R-U-M-S-O-L-I-S. And that's a whole nother can of worms. And he's the head of the Kabbalistic Order of the Rose Cross. So this guy is obviously an expert on Freemasonry. And I just want to begin with some. I'm going to go by. I'm going to just turn pages in this book and I'm going to read little snippets out and then talk about what it just said. So at the beginning in his introduction, it says, why Freemasonry? He says, the book you've just opened is going to help you understand the true inheritance of this Masonic initiated tradition. It will lead you from the birth of ancient Egyptian and Greek mysteries to the discovery of the essential role of this initiatic brotherhood in the world today, and especially the United States of America. Now listen, if you're a Christian and you can't see that there's ancient Egyptian and Greek mysteries and all the Egyptian and Greek mysteries were about their gods, then you have been blinded. If you can't see that you've got family that is involved in this and they're blinded, if you belong to Jesus of Nazareth, the one true God, it's time to start asking for the truth lord show me the truth because listen those people need us to pray and as i move forward you're going to see how wrapped up our whole nation is in depths i've always known it i've known it forever since the lord began to show me deliverance and started showing me how to get free and how to fight the enemy i've known that freemasonry is a problem i've traveled all over the country doing deliverance everywhere i go it, i can be in a room full of deliverance ministries and start deli doing deliverance on this subject and everybody in the room gets deliverance and it's so deep and it's so ongoing 
going and the depths of it, it is amazing. And I don't care what color, red, yellow, black, white, brown. Everybody, everybody, and I'm, I'm just going to say in our nation, I'm, I'm going to say that I don't believe there's a bloodline escaped it. And then it goes all throughout Europe. It goes throughout the, everywhere, all over the world, or like organizations. So this man quotes quite a bit from what Dan Brown's book, which was a novel called The Lost Symbol. I haven't read that novel, but I'm going to tell you that throughout this book, he is giving credence to Dan Brown's writing. So in his words, The Lost Symbol reveals to a secret history and geography that marks Washington, D.C. with its footprint, giving to this city, now of course these are his words, an aura and an egregore shining worldwide. The city of Washington was laid out according to Freemason ideals and belief. The symbolic center of this city, the National Mall, is known in all countries. It runs from the dramatic obelisk of the Washington Monument on the west to the United States Capitol building on the east with the National Museums and memorials on both sides. The White House is directly north of the monument and the Lincoln Memorial and the reflecting pools to the west just behind the monument. The Jefferson Memorial is to the south. Later on in this book, he details how Washington, D.C. is literally set out in the same way a Masonic Lodge would be, and that the Capitol building is the heartbeat. And I will explain to you as I come to his quotes later. He called that that word egregore when he says it stands as an egregore to the nations. Now, I want you to know, egregore shining worldwide. I had a woman as a deliverance minister called me one time and she said, Randy, she said, you know, we have to put up with these demons on a regular basis. She said, you know what I'm talking about? And I do because we come under attack. And she said, but you ever have a time when just everything goes wrong? And I said, well, yeah, it has seemed that way at times. And she says, well, listen, the Lord showed me it's something called an egregore. And I looked that thing up and what the explanation I found for Egregore, and this man goes on and talks about it too, but it's the collective agreement by a group of people. What it does is in their collective agreement, it gives power to a spirit. Now, even in the realm of the occult, they believe it forms the spirit. Well, they're not creating those spirits. All those spirits are, I believe, the demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, of the pre-flood creatures, and then whatever afterwards, those that shouldn't have never existed. But this egregore, what it really does is the collective agreement of human beings brings forth a spirit that takes on the role that they're giving it. So he says that what exactly is Freemasonry? Freemasonry is known, according to the noble idea, it says a beautiful system of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. Also called the craft, Freemasonry is wonderful worldwide movement of fraternity, tolerance, and philanthropy. That's his words. To most, the rituals and private customs of this brotherhood have long seemed strange. The symbols used in Masonic myths do not always seem useful in relation to the ambitious, important role I've foreseen and described. What relationship can exist between being initiated in a very strange ceremony, invoking strange and exotic names that may not be understood, and those Masons known as Shriners? Why would these Shriners wear such colorful and fanciful clothing if the goal is to find inner simplicity and learn to be a better person? Well, Freemasons operate many of the world's greatest charitable organizations. This is true. And this is one thing we've always got to remember is the enemy comes as an angel of light. Listen, if it didn't look good, most people wouldn't met. There's a lot of things people would turn away the devil for if it didn't come looking good. Best known as the Shriners with their circuses, their parades, and their work on behalf of 
of the physically challenged children. Lesser known is the fact that a Shriner must be a Freemason before becoming a Shriner. Of course, appearances can be misleading. Rituals perpetrated carefully, inherited from ancient traditions, are not always what they seem to be. Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol shows very well the history of the Brotherhood doesn't stop at the time of the master builders of the cathedrals in Europe, as the Masonic mythology says. Now, right here, this man is saying that what is said up front in Freemasonry, that, that their craft and their trade was coming out of the Mason Lodge, uh, bricklayers, brick workers in England. He's saying the most visible symbols referred to it. Many of them are really more ancient. You must look in the ancient places where the first civilizations of humanity appeared. It is symbolically necessary to walk, here, hear this, on the rich lands of Chaldea, mysterious Egypt, intellectually stimulating Greece, the glorious enlightenment of the Italian Renaissance, and the empowering Elizabethan England to understand how the ancient imitations have been perpetrated. The man is saying, this expert, that Freemasonry goes way, way beyond what the average mason is told the relationship between freemasonry and its symbols is fundamental one thing that we've got to start realizing even as the body of christ is symbols matter they matter greatly they matter because the people that believe in their power use them to invoke their gods and because christians do not respond to that doesn't mean we have to walk around scared listen i'm i'm going to tell you this truth is that if you <laughs> if you tried not to use everything that had a symbol that is telling you what something is, you would probably have to go live in the woods somewhere and, and farm yourself and hunt and fish because this whole world is tainted. But yet they use symbolism and they're telling you what they're doing by it. So he, he says the relationship between Freemasonry and symbols is fundamental. It has been known for a long time that the mind's power, the mind powers rediscovered today are the central concerns of the initiates. Ritual processes are the visible manifestation of the invisible world as understood by the ancient adepts of these traditions. Their inner experience of the different realities of the world and their perception of hidden powers of the psyche allow them to create efficient, transformative practices. They are calling on the other gods. In any initiatic tradition, there are group rituals and practices as well as individual ones. This is also the case in Freemasonry. The initiations can create in the candidate a particular state of consciousness. This is an important step, but after that, the progressive practices that allow him to learn how to manipulate, now listen, these inner vibrations and then advance in using these inner powers. The knowledge is less known and rarely given out. Over and over in this book, it, it's it's really almost comical because he'll say that it's not a religion and then go on and tell you they're calling on the God. Then he goes on to talk about myths and the importance of myths. Now, there's a myth about Hiram Abiff that I'll talk about in a minute, but this is their original myth, and I want you to hear this. It was actually brought forth by a pastor. Obviously, he wasn't a pastor of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he had pastor as his title way back in the day. So... At the beginning of speculative Freemasonry in the 18th century, Pastor John Anderson wrote a strange story. Deeply rooted in the first books of the Bible, the story explains the origins and the founders of the fraternity. This story is the heart of contemporary Freemasonry and reveals many elements of its real origins and goals. As in the ancient oral times, let us tell you the epic, the story of the craft. 
Now I'm just going to read it verbatim. At the beginning of time was the first being father of all humanity. Biblical tradition gives him the name of Adam, the original man, and put Eve beside him. Created just as the representation of God, the grand architect of the universe, Adam received engraved in his heart the knowledge of liberal sciences, particularly geometry. Grateful to his creator, he transmitted his knowledge to his sons Cain and Seth. Using his knowledge of the craft, the first son created the most ancient cities. He became prince of the first half of humanity. Seth, the second son, and less educated than his brother, became the first farmer and taught his descendants the divine sciences of geometry and masonry. It is in this epic that dramatic and extraordinary constructions were undertaken. The memory of other architectural realizations was orally transmitted to the first populations. In these ancient times, God was in constant interaction with man. One day, God asked Noah, the ninth son of Seth, to build an ark to protect Noah and his family from an imminent disaster. The ark was constructed according to the rules of geometry and masonry. Notice he never mentioned Abel in this story. It was the way in which Noah and his three sons, Japheth, Shem, and Ham, all three masons, so it's claiming that Noah and his sons were masons, transmitted this traditional knowledge through the flood. Then they decided to glorify God by building a huge and marvelous city manifesting God's glory on the earth. Over several years, they used their knowledge to build a colossal tower at the center of the city. They worked without pause, raising the construction higher and higher to the sky. A huge number of workers was organized and equipped with science, allowing uninterrupted work. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that it wasn't Noah and his sons that did this work. So this tale here is not only attributing Freemasonry and the roots to Noah and his sons as well, that and bringing that knowledge back across that they supposedly gained from, from pre-flood uh, on this side. But the truth is, it was Nimrod that did this. Seeing their work, God did not react as they expected. God hadn't asked them to manifest their skills like that. His anger increased in front of what he considered a mark of human vanity. And God decided to interrupt this demiurgic work. He introduced confusion in their minds, making them unable to understand each other. Until then, all had been heirs of the same family and spoke the same language. Suddenly, hundreds of different languages appeared. Eager that the secrets of geometry and masonry would not disappear and to be able to prove their status as initiates, the master masons created signs, gestures, and simple words belonging to the ancient original language. Then they scattered in the world, leaving this marvelous city and built new kingdoms and new buildings in Chaldea of Egypt and many other regions. So you see the perversion of the story. If this were true that they invented those signs, it was just a way to circumvent God. And understanding that really the whole goal of this whole mess, this whole Luciferian organization, is one day have a one world government with all men in agreement. And the angel of light part says it will all be in agreement and it'll be a good thing. But if you know your Bible, you know that it's going to be hell on earth. And these new kingdoms upon the Tigris and Euphrates River flourished many learned priests and mathematicians known by the names of Chaldeans and Magi who preserved the good science geometry as kings and great men encouraged the royal art. The royal art was brought down to Egypt by Mitzram, the second son of Ham, and about six years after the confusion of Babylon after the flood. The ancient noble cities with their other magnificent edifices of that country and particularly the famous pyramids demonstrate the early art and genius of this situation. He goes on to deal with Solomon and the temple 
and Hiram, king of Tyre, and talks about uh, the, the building of that temple and the sacred beauty of the temple. And it is a perversion of the real Bible story in, in a place where they're trying to create a truth for their craft. But at the same time, if you're a Christian, you have to reject every other god, and they tie to all these gods. There was a story about Hiram and Hiram Abiff. The Masons, when they do their degrees, they have a place where they raise a fellow they call Hiram Abiff out of, out of a coffin. And there's a whole storyline to that. But I want you to hear what this man said. He calls him a master mason. And he says in, in here, the archetype of the death of the master mason I just described, be, this being the Hiram Abiff story, and that raising from the dead. It, you know, For one, it's a mockery of the resurrection and the true resurrection. But it's also pointing to a rising of, I believe, the one we'll call the Antichrist. And I believe it's Osiris. That's another story. But let me tell you what this man says. The archetype of the death of the Master Mason I just described has its origin in one of the aspects of the symbolic act of the resurrection of the god Osiris. The illustrations of the raising of the pillar named Dejed, symbolizing the revival of the god king, are well known. The first indication reveals a very close connection between the myths. From the reading of this story, it is clear that it was used as the foundation of Hiram's myth. The Osiris myth was retold by Greek writers and especially Plutarch in his book, Isis and Osiris. You know, our nation, even when our presidents are sworn in, they typically are facing the east. They're facing the Washington Monument and they are facing Osiris. And these people are believing for the spirit of Osiris. They'll do a resurrection ceremony at the same time our president is sworn in. And they're believing for the spirit of Osiris to come into our presidents. Let me talk to you about the origin and symbols of the Masonic temple. So there's the temple building. And we're talking about the one that's in Washington, D.C., but it says, first of all, it's necessary to know that Solomon's temple follows the general structure of the Egyptian, Phoenician, and Mesopotamian temples. According to myth, the architecture of the Masonic temple has its origin in the temple of Solomon. See, and that's what he's saying. According to what they're saying, it's Solomon, but you, you can look. And this is a Mason. He's just telling you the real truth. You know, one of the things they always do and what the Illuminati do, what the elite of the world is they put truth out there right before your eyes. And if you ignore it, they gain power over you. It is important to know the word temple is never used in Freemasonry with a religious meaning connected to a purpose of worship. A temple like this one is sacred and symbolic place used to raise the inner and unconscious level of the mind to a high spiritual level. The power of the symbols connected together can create a real impact on us and something happens. Now, once again, he's saying that it's not a religion, but telling you it's taking you to a higher spiritual level. He said, this is not a place to study and explain each symbol of this building because there are many symbols in the in that Masonic house of the temple in Washington, D.C. Initiation is the practice of classical philosophy is the study of going through the gate of an invisible world. Going through the gate of an invisible world. The process is the same as the experience of death. In initiation and in special practices, the experience can be a living and inner realization leading to the modification of one's perception of the world. Look, a modification of one's perception of the world. If you wonder, I have known people that weep at the name of Jesus. People that had what by all appearances is a born-again salvation experience. 
people whose lives have changed dramatically in many ways that cannot see that Freemasonry is a problem. Because, But right here it just told you, an initiation and in special practices, these experiences can be a living and inner realization leading to the modification of one's perception of the world. They're using those powers. Here are some descriptions of rooms in the temple. One of them is called the square. According to his words, in Mithraism and Pythagorism, the square is a room located at the entrance of the temple. It was used by members to dress in their ritual clothes to accomplish the purifications and to store the ritual tools, perfumes, and other necessary items. So there you go. The god Mithra is involved in this. It is forbidden for non-initiates to have access to the temple. Then there's a room called the vault. And in that, it's temple, it's a starry arch. This kind of arch comes directly from Egypt. It appears in temples and in some tombs with the representation of the goddess Nut. Her body painted on the ceiling with stars spangled on the whole surface. Later, this starry arch was also the model for all Mithraim ceilings, for the, for the, the model for Mithra. The shape of the vault is an arch in order to represent the sky. Then there's the altar. It says there were several kinds of altars. Generally, their function defined the altar's position in the temple. Some were used for offerings, some for burning incense. The one located in the naos, which is the most hidden and secret room of the temple, was used as a portable chapel containing the consecrated statue of the god. So he's going on to liken the, the altar in the Masonic altar to the many gods. Then in the east was the Pythagorean Basilica, the place of the master. It's higher on the floor of the temple and located in the east. He likened that to Hermetism, the worship of the god Hermes. Then he talks about the elements in the temple, earth, wind, fire, and rain, and the pentagram that's in there, which are witchcraft symbols. There is a chamber of reflection in the temple. Some roles of people in the temple of the Masons. There's the tiler or the chaplain, and he can sit to the left of the master. He can be on an empty chair. It's a symbolic level. Its position is the north because it marks the last direction of the lodge and assures its balance and existence on the material plane. The three major officers, officers constitute the trinity. So there's a mockery of the Lord, which gives its radiance, and the fourth point gives stability to the Lord. There's the worshipful master, highest ranking of the lodge officers. The senior warden, he's the second in command. The junior warden is third in command. These More important than these official functions and duty, each officer of the lodge has an esoteric function connected to his symbolic position. As the Lodge is a representation of the cosmos, each position has a real and effective power on the invisible level. It is this second function that provides the spiritual authority behind the rituals and the initiations, the spiritual and esoteric aspects necessarily to really act on these two levels. As noted previously, the four-pointer direction north is not always connected to a visible officer. Listen, here's the function. If the Tyler is there, he can maintain the contact between the inner lodge and the outer world. If the chaplain is there, he assumes the contact between the inner lodge and the spiritual and higher levels. Both positions show that this direction is important to root the lodge and give a kind of energy that's different from the master. The chaplain opens the book of the sacred law and pronounces the invocations. Now their book of the sacred law can be the Bible, it can be the Quran, it can be the Hindu writings, it can be the Buddhist writings. 
Hermetic philosophy it rooted in masonry is rooted in this is not a pure mental abstraction with no other purpose than to examine the essence of things and being. The practice of this philosophy cannot be separated from the spiritual life and the search for the divine. Reason linked to spiritual and symbolic practices allows this progress in a stable and balanced way. I want to move on forward to some of the more alarming things that I found in this book. So he goes on to talk about the Bible, and he says, Of course, we can view some of the Bible stories symbolically, but we must be very prudent about considering them as literal and allowing their use as standards. If a sacred book contains a true divine revelation, your mind created by God must be used to find it and select the human portions as Thomas Jefferson did. This is clearly different from the idea of a neoplatonic God's expression of beauty, wisdom, and strength. But the solution is not what Jefferson did in renouncing any form of the spiritual, supernatural, and human beings in the world. It is clear that everyone has hidden abilities and the universe has more hidden power than it is possible to imagine. Many of the founding fathers and Freemasons said that in order to be a realistic, everyone must accept the idea that all the sacred texts might not be the sole expression of God. So in, in this book, he is saying that the word of God is not sufficient in and of itself. One of the things about an obelisk, he says right here, which is the Washington Monument, so the shape of the obelisk shows its function of dispersing negative forces, piercing the dark sky in order to attract the higher energies in the symbol of this light. There is no better function that could be given by divine providence to the federal capital. A monument was given to this new nation that was able to destroy negativity and invigorate the exact center of the buildings used to house its government. As in antiquity, the obelisk was built in the center of a large open place as for the temples of the solar god Ra on the sacred cornerstone in a city that would be called the city of the sun. The obelisk, the emblem of resurrection, would be connected to the birth of the new nation, the new age, and the new man. All these elements are coherent together and reveal the key to our being, transformation, and destiny. One thing that we have to understand is there are things throughout the world called talisman, and talisman by the occultic practitioners are devices or Things that are meant to ward off evil spirits. So this is basically telling you that the Washington Monument is there to drive away dark forces, to drive away negative forces. But here's the truth. Whenever anybody uses that, it doesn't drive them away. It attracts them. It attracts them. If you had a dream catcher in your home to catch dreams, you're going to catch demons. You're not catching a dream. You're catching demons. If people put bells on their motorcycles to, to drive off the road demons, then they're going to attract them. And so that monument, is it any wonder, listen, so if the Capitol building is called the heart of this temple, what chaos is going on in there today? What chaos is going on? So they, we are dealing with spiritual forces that, listen, some of these people, these senators, and especially the House, some of these people probably went there with, with a good idea to serve their country. But I'm going to tell you, when they get there, they are fighting true, not the most high God, but these gods have power. And the original founders, the people that built those buildings, you, you're going to look up what's in the top of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., and it's all of these gods. 
are in there. Neptune's in there. Ceres is in there. All these goddesses are in there. Zeus is, is represented by George, George Washington is representing Zeus and it's really about man becoming a god. All these things are in the middle of these buildings and all these gods were invoked. We have to as the body of Christ begin to I'm, I'm just saw a revelation. We've got to start asking God to bind. We are not talking about low level demons here. We're not talking about low level demons. We're talking about dark powers. We're talking about principalities that we're dealing with here. And they were invoked in our nation by the people that built this capital and it is coming to fruition. Now, we're going to have to learn to call on the Most High God to pray against these things. The Dome of the U.S. Capitol. So it's got the Olympians in there. It's got Zeus in there. It's got a goddess of liberty. It's got a goddess of victory. I just saw a deal right before we got on, and it was a pagan view of Washington, D.C., and the guy was so excited because he saw Minerva all over the place. Well, Minerva is another name for multiple goddesses. But he, he was looking at her. He said, Washington through the eyes of a pagan. And he was delighted in that. I'm looking right here, and I want to, to explain this to you about Freemasonry. I had a man, actually a next-door neighbor of mine, and he had told me, and I told him about Freemasonry, that he needed to do something different. And he said, well, you know, uh, I went through the Scottish Rite, and then I learned that that was pagan, so I talked to one of these lecturers, and he told me I need to go to the York Rite, which is Christian. Well, if you get online you look up the structure of Freemasonry, you're going to see that the first three... Uh, steps there's a pyramid picture here and it's got an arch in the center and people within it and you've got the first three steps called the blue lodge the first three degrees and then on one side of this pyramid is all the steps of scottish Rite freemasonry up to 32nd degree and on the other side is the steps of york Rite freemasonry which is there's 13 of them and they are called the christian side it's a mockery there's nothing Christian about it. And as I told him, I said, listen, if you start at the bottom and you finish, you start at the same place and you finish at the same place, you're in the same group. There is no separation. But that is called the structure of Freemasonry. It's worth taking a look at. And perhaps if you've got these in your background, it gives you kind of something to go by. Even if you have renounced Freemasonry in the past, listen, I've just found that this goes so deep. It goes so deep that it never hurts to do it again. People, I'm telling you, I've, I've like I, I said earlier in this, I've been all over the country ministering this, and I have never failed to see people get even more and greater levels of deliverance when they do. Now, one of the things this man said in this book, and this is what your average Mason, and I want to say this again, is not going to, it doesn't understand he's been hoodwinked, but he's still tied to all of this mess. He's still tied to it. Once you get, listen, we need to believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and God loves his people. If we join into a denomination that's denying the gifts of the Spirit, then we are, in effect, putting our agreement in there with our name on those papers. And when then we're going to be affected by our ability to believe God. And I fully realize that there is a lot of goofiness out there, okay? The true born-again church of the Lord Jesus Christ desperately needs the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating. But we have to operate in spirit and truth. And we have to be anchored in the Word of God. And asking God and having watchmen on the wall that can discern those spirits that come that say they're God that aren't. Because we either end up, you end up with a dead church that does nothing, that believes God for nothing, or you end up with goofy on the other end of it. 
and and there are a lot of people that that need to know that are willing to be taught by the Lord and willing to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit that will not do it because they look over and see the problems. And it's, I, I listened to your um, teaching on on the Freemasonry and the infiltration of all those groups, Sheila. And it's uh, you know what better place to go hide than amongst people that would believe God and and then fool them because then you can tank and slow down the kingdom of God. And and there are many of those ministries. I've seen a lot of those exposés, and there are a lot of problems. And a lot of that is what I'm about to read on. It's a key to the symbols. He says, creative visualization. In a nutshell, he's got a whole section in here on how to visualize. And he said, visualization is a natural process, one of the main elements of a good initiatic practice. As explained in the section of blood, we must give life and vitality to the visible symbols we use in order to create an effective ritual. The spiritual symbolic action begins inwardly. The creative power of the mind allows us to immediately begin this training. Knowledge of this process was protected by the theurgic schools during the period of the dark days. Later, a few Masons were initiating both traditions, keeping alive both Masonic aspects and the applications of these esoteric practices. Interestingly, visualization is the subject of a strange paradox. We must learn how to use visualization effectively in our initiated practices as well as in our daily life. Listen to me. Visualization, I, I've been in many a service, and if you're going to if you're gonna do uh, combat against the enemy and you're going to help people get free and you're going to teach people the truth, the enemy is going to raise up people to come against you. That's just the way it is. Sometimes they come and they sit in our churches or they sit in the, in the ministries that we're at and, and we'll sit there and God will give us a check. We're not on witch hunts, but we also want to be wise as serpents and harmless as dove. And God will give us a check. And a lot of times you'll look at the people that he gives you the check about. And instead of participating in, in the ministry, instead of participating in everything that's going on, they're sitting there and they got their eyes closed. And what they're doing is visualizing. And what they're doing is imagining disaster upon God's people. They're imagining something to stop the ministry. They are, they are working ill will in their minds. And this visualization, he's talking it as, as completely a product of the mind. But what it is, is they're getting their mind in agreement with the devil. And by their previous words, they've given agreement and they're linked with him and their third eye is open and they're creating a situation that comes against God's people. This man is talking about using that power. So for instance, say there's a, uh, a a mason that has this understanding and he's going to do a business deal he's going to walk in there and he's going to stop and he's going to and some point before he gets there he's going to close his eyes and he's going to imagine them signing the contract he's going to imagine the deal going his way and he will get the demonic help as i begin to read this i understand why they in many cases and, and these same spirits that are working with them will even work with the ignorant guy. But how much more the guy that has knowledge that goes in and swings things his way by partnering with these demons? In effect, it's witchcraft. And that's one of the principal spirits of Freemasonry. Then he has this, a deal on the power of the word. Now, this is the truth. And this, this is the thing. Listen, life and death is in the power of the tongue. What we say matters. I, I, can, I can speak life or I can speak death. I need to speak words that agree with God. Proverbs 
118.21 says it very clearly. And even Jesus said we're going to be judged for every idle word. What am I speaking? Am I speaking to build the kingdom or am I speaking to tear it down? But it's not magic. It's agreement with God. If I'm presenting a petition to God, I need to speak what he says about that situation. It's not magic. He's the judge. He's going to decide what to do. I'm just presenting a case that has merit before him. But they, he was talking about powers of the word, declamation, evocation, and invocation. In every Masonic ritual, the word has a central function. There are no silent initiations. There are no ceremonies without words. Freemasonry is rooted in two major traditions, both of which emphasize the power of the word. He says the Bible and the Hermetic tradition. They're mixing them. But they don't mix. If Lucifer wants to fool the most people, and especially if he can fool Christians, if he can fool people that might believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he wants to deceive them, wouldn't he throw the Bible in there with the other stuff and try to mix it? That's what the Catholic Church did forever, and they still do. The Catholic Church went all over the way. The, their nations would conquer, and the Catholic Church would go in, and the Jesuits would go in. They didn't have any problem with the other gods being mixed in. They didn't have any problem with, uh, with taking those rituals to the let's say that, taking the rituals that were to the other gods and mixing it with Catholicism and putting a Christian label on it. It's disaster for God's people. We need to, as a as the body of Christ, repent for this nation and the idol worship. Even the foundation of the idol worship. Yes, there were pilgrims. Yes, there were good people. But the people that built our government facilities and the people that set this in order, they had in mind, and the freedoms we have are, we praise God for that. It's allowed the gospel to go forth. But at the same time, they had a plan. And the plan they had is what we're seeing going to pass now. We need to call on God. We need to call on God for the sake of those that could be saved. And we need to learn to pray against these works. So they use these words to teach and evoke. They use the word in two ways. Provide extensive tests to explain the mythology surrounding each degree of advancement, certain moral teachings, and various symbolic interpretations. They use passwords, words that are distinct to each degree, and other sacred words transmitted by tradition. He talked about the power of these words and the evocation. And even though he said they're not necromantic, it says that when they when they would use these words, well, let me, let me read this, something deeper and stronger is evoked. A memory of the past masters who are always present on the invisible plane and who are resident in the unconscious memory of all living beings. In this perspective, the words are imbued with a level of intensity that is sometimes astonishing. Their invocations are calling on their gods, the evocations, they are believing they're receiving power from the other side, from the past masters, the ones that have gone on ahead of them. Then he goes on, in one of these chapters, and it's the practice of the individual rituals of the high degrees. And in these, I can, listen, I won't even read these. I won't read them myself. I, I see them here. I can glean from some of, of what they're doing on some of these, but some of these, I'm telling you, if I read them, I'm pretty sure I'd have to contend with a demon because of what's in this book. The level of this witchcraft is unbelievable. I want to tell one little story there's one of one of his rituals in here, and it attributed, for instance, planets. It has planets. That's another story about planets, but they're using them. Symbols, days, colors, spirit behind it. 
the divinity behind it, the God they're attributed to it, the Greek vow and such. And interestingly enough, so on um, the colors, it had Saturn, Indico, and the god Cronus. has Jupiter, Blue, and Zeus. These gods are little g-gods, but nonetheless, they're, they're powerful beings. A lot of, for a long time, the Western world had the opinion that this was all uh, just imaginations. Well, it's not. These beings were worshipped for a reason, and the people that worshipped them got made contact with them, and, the, and the, these gods came and did things for and to them, and they still do. Mars, color red, divinity is Aries. The sun, color yellow, divinity is Helios. Venus, color green, and the divinity is Aphrodite. Mercury, color orange, divinity Hermes. Hermes is one of the gods that helps the Masons in their finances. Need to know that. We break its power in the name of Jesus. A lot of times, uh, Masonic children and grandchildren suffer financially because their fathers and grandfathers turn to these gods. And even though they got help, the children end up with a poor box. The moon, violet, and the god's name is Selim. Well, as I was looking here, I, I prayed with a man yesterday. I did a deliverance, and um, God set it up. It was a supernatural. Just even the way we came in contact together was um, obviously God's hand on it. And this is a brother, and he's a good brother, and he's, he loves his family. And they encountered some things that went wrong in the church they were in, and it set him back and set him back in his faith and his zeal, and he needed a reset. But he'd also, as so often happens, he had fallen into some pornography and those things. And so I, as I ministered and I took him through a general deliverance, I asked him, because oftentimes when I'm taking people through personal deliverance, I'll ask them, are you feeling anything, hearing anything, any pains in your body? Are you seeing anything? Because that information will bring understanding to what's going on in the battle at times. So, you know, they don't have to feel anything. Sometimes all you got to do is pray and break a curse, and command the demons to leave and take a breath, and the demons leave without manifestation. Praise the Lord, and your life changes if you walk in holiness. But sometimes they manifest. We don't decide that or not. But he kept saying, and when I asked him, I said, what are you, are you seeing? He was getting massive deliverance. God was doing a great thing. He's softening his heart. He's getting things out, and he was getting healed, and it was glorious. And I said, are you seeing anything here? And he, I asked him that question. He says, all I see is this green light, this green light. And so I led him through, uh, you know, some ancestral prayers and some things to break that and what I thought it might have been. And then I just simply said this, you who are causing the green, because I knew he repented for everything. I'd taken him through a general repentance and his heart was right. So I knew that he would have been right. And I said, now you spirit causing that green light, go in Jesus name, causing that green color, go. And it left. But then Today, as I was going through this book, this guy is telling people in these rituals, in this one particular one, visualize a green light all around you. He tells them to do other things along that line, but I said, a green light already. So I go over here and look on that chart, and what did I tell you? That the color green was what he saw, and this goddess Aphrodite is a goddess of sexual sin and seduction. Very interesting. <laughs> And so I, I'll study this further out and learn how to dismantle these things. Listen, we've got to learn to dismantle the work of the enemy. What we speak out of our mouth can destroy the works of darkness and can bring life. We speak agreement with God and, and speak destruction to the enemy. And so he told the prophet Jeremiah, he said, I've appointed you a prophet to the nations to uproot, to tear down, to dismantle, to rebuild. 
and replant. When we can speak dismantling to the enemy kingdom in Jesus' name and we learn to tear his kingdom apart. Some of those principalities we need to ask God to handle. We need to say, God, I'm asking you. Listen, he's allowed them to be put in place, but we have to cry out with a collective, collective. Now, listen, on our end, collective. Not like theirs, but on our end, collective agreement. God, we have sinned. Our nation has sinned against you. We confess the sins of our nation. He says, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, the lost can't do it. If we've got a shot to turn this around and even praying for our president, we've got to do it through repentance. Our own personal repentance where we turn and change the way we think. When you change the way you think, as a man thinketh, so is he, so, so you change the way you act. And if we begin to do that, then we can plead for the lost. Because listen, the Bible says he looked for one that would make up a hedge. Those people don't know what they're doing. They don't have a clue. I watched a video today of one of our senators. He's on that impeachment team. And he walked down the aisle in the House there, or in the Senate, and he talked and turned to somebody, and he went, and his chair was empty, and he pointed to something in the chair and said, get out, and then he turned around and sat down. Uh, what do you think that was? He's working with some kind of entity. He's working with the entities. These people's third eyes are open. They're being worked by the devil. And so this book, this, this is a, I'll, I'll finish with this, and then we can do some prayer if, if uh, Sheila wants to. He, he, t he teaches these guys to actually, and anybody that wants to, he teaches them how to go work spiritual ritual at the mall there at the White House. I'm sure there's been, and not just the White House, but, but at that whole area and how to walk and what to do and, and to work ritual. But here's what he said. I want to finish with this on Washington, D.C. Furthermore, the main planetary characteristics may be found in specific cities. In other words, one city manifests the character of the moon, another sun, and so on. Still, the specific character of a city does not exist in isolation, separate from other external influences. An important part of the power of a city comes from foreign countries. It's easy to understand how this process occurs. Imagine how many times the White House has been seen on television all over the world. Every single day, the Capitol building, the president, or the White House with its red, white, and blue flag proudly flying are on television in Asia, India, the Middle East, Europe, America, etc. Everyone around the world who sees this building knows immediately this is the center of American power, the building that represents the United States. All these thoughts, consciously or unconsciously, are turned and focused on Washington, D.C. Every day, all year long, human thoughts, wills, desires, and fears are focused on these central symbols. The reality is not just an abstraction and an allegory to describe the presence and symbolic power of America. The energy of thoughts is a spiritual reality. Like the previously described tsunami, these thoughts create waves of energy flowing from every point of the planet and move like a giant wave towards the symbolic center of the capital surmounted by the Statue of Freedom. This works so effectively because of the esoteric layout of the city was created according to the traditional rules of Freemasonry. The mall and all the buildings that were dedicated in accordance with the principles of Masonic rituals created the most powerful radionics system conceivable. It would be impossible today to create such a system to cause this system to draw energy from around the world to itself so that all the powers generated all around the world are directed to one place. It is amazing to even think about the existence of such an energy flow as you present on the Washington Mall. The obelisk focuses his power and disperses the hate and other dark intentions. They believe that. 
And these people that practice, there is a measure of truth. They don't have the truth. Our God is bigger than that. We're in a fight for our nation. We're in a fight for for this nation. And the people that do love God in this nation and those that will stand up for right and wrong are what's holding off. Listen, it's not that we're going to stop the Antichrist from coming because we're not. The book is written. That day will happen. God will pull the restrainer, whatever, however that it works. He will lift the restrainer and the man of sin will be exposed. But in the meantime, we're fighting for souls. Listen, we're fighting for our, all of our nations. Any, any Christians, are we going to be goat nations or are we going to be a sheep nation? But it behooves us to understand the depth of the battle that we're in. And, and when as I was reading this and I'm reading the depth of what they are invoking, and we've got to begin to pray what we do. And if we'll come to some understanding and begin to pray, pray for the pray for those that God would save, that he would have mercy on them. If they're not saved, listen, there are some that are reprobate. They're not going to be saved. Some of them may not even be human. They may not even be human. They're not going to get saved. But if we repent, then we can call on God to have mercy and to judge these things. This book has so much depth in it. I just tried to pull some snippets out of it to give you an idea of what this is. But this is the words. Listen, so if you're, if you're listening to this and you have any doubt about Freemasonry, I believe I gave you enough of this man's words to tell you that it's not Christian and that it's pagan and that it's worshiping other gods and bringing them in. Secrets and Practices of the Freemasons. If you think you need to see it in person, read it, go get it. I do not advise, listen, I do not advise anybody to pick up this book without prayer. And I, and I bind right now in the name of Jesus, anybody that would get it just to increase. I bind it, Lord. I just thank you that you make it invisible to anybody that would use it to gain power and do the wrong things with it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll do some deliverance and... Um, in doing this, I'll lead you through some prayer. You've got to renounce things. There's a long bunch of things to renounce that we don't have time to do today. But I've, I'll lead you through a short prayer that I know that if we take that before the throne of God, that he will honor it. And then I'm going to call some spirits out that are tied to Freemasonry. And uh, we're going to believe God to set the captive free. So everybody who will, if you'll, if you'll pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent. I confess is sin for me and my ancestors, all idolatry, all sorcery, witchcraft, and divination. I even uh, confess is sin, making a God in our own image and putting your name on it and in effect our own golden calves, Lord, and repent for that. And Father, I repent for all rituals that have worked and all oaths and vows in the name of Jesus and the oaths and vows of Freemasonry and any other oaths and vows of any esoteric organizations even those that come as an angel of light and that of the Shriners. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent for all sexual sin and perversion and homosexuality and fornication and adultery and bestiality and all dark things, Lord. And I just ask you to supernaturally sever soul ties, Lord, wherever they be needed to be separated. And all the foreign souls go where they belong and the people's souls come back, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Father, I also repent and confesses sin, murder, abortion, human sacrifice, animal sacrifice, child sacrifice, drinking of human blood, cannibalism, gossip, backbiting, slander, backstabbing, broken covenants, broken treaties, stealing, lying, cheating in business, 
Father, I, I confess his sin, abandoning children in divorce, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I, I confess his sin on me and my ancestors. I take accountability for them for the pride and the pride of proven character and repent for allowing rejection to rule. And I repent for fear and fear of man in the name of Jesus. And Lord, now in Jesus' name, I break the power of Freemasonry and the spirits behind it in Jesus' name. And we renounce and cut these off now. I command witchcraft to leave, Baphomet to leave, Antichrist to leave, death, deception, go in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let God's people go in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let them go. Now I command insecurity to go, love of position and power, love of money, avarice, greed, pride, fear of death, fear of men, fear of trusting in Jesus. Go, go, go. Master, worshipful master, Tyler, get out. Rejection, secrecy, Get out in the name of Jesus. Go, 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 go. Thank you, Lord, that every one of these gods, we're going to call them out by name. And Lord, wherever they are, by any name, beginning with these Greek gods, Lord, if there's another culture in the same name, we command them to go to. In the name of Jesus. Archelos, go. Aeolus, go. Aether, go. Alastor, go. Apollo, let him go. Let them go. You've been in the music, the art, and the medicine. You've got to go. You're not the light. You're not the knowledge. Get out. Ares, go. Arestius, go. Atlas, go. Addis, go. In the name of Jesus. Boreas, go. You have the wind to break your power. In the name of Jesus. Kairos, go. Luck, get out. In the name of Jesus. Castor, go. In the name of Jesus. Pollux, go. Ceres, go. Chaos, go. Charon, go. Kronos, go. Krios, go. We bind you. Break your power in the name of Jesus. Go, 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 go. Kronos, go in the name of Jesus. Wherever you're at, you who are influencing our Congress, you who are influencing our government, our Supreme Court, you who are in the deep state, go in the name of Jesus. You who play games in our government, you who are corrupt in the government, let them go and in the people. Come out of us in the name of Jesus. Come out of the people listening in the name of Jesus. We don't want anything in common to do with these demons in the name of Jesus. Denlos, go. Demos, go in the name of Jesus. Dionysus, go in Jesus' name. Arebus, get out. Eros, go. Eurus, go. Glaucus, go. Now listen, if you've never done deliverance, if you're in agreement with this, take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. Let it out. If you start to cough, cough. If you start to sneeze, sneeze. If you start to yawn, yawn. Let them go. Sometimes we got to remove things. The Bible says put off the old man and put on the new. So we need to get rid of some of these things. And they hide. And we often find them there. Get out in the name of Jesus. Hades, go. In the name of Jesus, go, 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 go. All gods of the dead, all that in the grave. I thank you, Lord. Your people are pulled out of the grave. Their feet are pulled out of the grave. And I loose them from the grave now in Jesus' name. Helios, go. Worship of the sun, we break your power in the name of Jesus. Go. Hephaestus, we break the power of the false fires. In the name of Jesus. Hercules, go. In the name of Jesus. Hermes, go. You who work the trade, in the name of Jesus. You who work the trade, you cheat and lie and demons, in the name of Jesus. Thieving spirits, go. In the name of Jesus. Hermes and the athletes, get out, get out, get out, get out. Hesperus, go. Hymenaeus, go. In the name of Jesus. Hypnos, go. In the name of Jesus. If you've been hypnotized, repent, repent. 
That's God, the God of sleep. It's called hypno. That's where that word hypnotize come from. I bind you. Let him go in Jesus' name. Kratos, go in the name of Jesus. Momos, go. Go, go, go. You God of mockery. Let him go. You God of mockery. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Morpheus, get out. You come in the night season, sleep and dreams and mess with their sleep and bring confusion. We break your power in the name of Jesus. Nereus, go. Notice, go. Oceanus, go. In the name of Jesus, go, go, go. You Titan spirits, let them go. In the name of Jesus, go, 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 go. Pallas, go. P-A-L-L-A-S. Get out in the name of Jesus. Pan, go. Pan, go. Every Seder, go. In the name of Jesus. Wine, revelry, song, orgy. Get out in the name of Jesus. Go, 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 you goat man. Get out in the name of Jesus. Phosphorus, go. Morning star, go. Plutus, go. Pollux, go. Pontus go, Poseidon, every marine spirit, loose God's people now in the name of Jesus. Loose them, let them go. Come up and out in the name of Jesus. Priapus go, Precus go, Prometheus go, Primordial go, Tartarus go. Get out, get out, get out, hell. Get out, death. Get out the grave. Get out the notos in the name of Jesus. Get out Triton. Get out Typhon. You sea monster, I break your power in the name of Jesus. Go, 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 go. Uranus, go. Zeus, let him go in the name of Jesus. Get out, Zeus. I get out every thunder god, every lightning god. Zeus, Thor, Odin, I break your power in the name of Jesus. Go, 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 go in Jesus' name. Now, all you goddesses, Athena. Get out in the name of Jesus. We break your power. Akalone, get out. Electrona, go, 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 go. Amphrothite, go, go. Anthrea, Apate, Aphia, get out. Aphrodite, go, 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 go. Come on, Artemis. You've got to let them go. We separate you from Apollo and command you to go in the name of Jesus. I also now, right now, command Baal, Ashra, Moloch, let them go in the name of Jesus. Athena. Get out, Bia, Breeza, Calio, Calypso. Get out in the name of Jesus. Go, 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 go in Jesus' name. Circe, Sito, Clotho, Sibylle. Get out in the name of Jesus. I pull them out of the spiritual mountains that are dark. I pull them out in the name of Jesus. Demeter, get out in the name of Jesus. All fertility spirits tied to this or any other goddess. I break your power. In the name of Jesus, Doris, the sea nymph, get out. In the name of Jesus, Eleuthia, Electra, Elpis, Electra from the Eastern Star, let them go. In the name of Jesus, all those seven sisters, the Pleiades, the daughters of Atlas and Pleione, I break your power, come out. In the name of Jesus, Enyo, Eos, Erato, Eris, Euterpe, get out. Gaia, worship of the earth, I bind you. I break the power of what's called Mother Nature, there's no such thing. That's a lying demon. Yeshua, our creator, is, is the one behind nature, not a mother nature. We break that in Jesus' name. Harmonia, Habi, Hecate, Hamera, Hera, Hestia, Hygia, Iris. Get out in the name of Jesus. Charis, Codus, Lachesius, Maya. Go, 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 go. You goddess of the fields, let them go. In the name of Jesus, Mania. Insanity go, madness go, frenzy go, get out, melpamine go, marope go, mantis go, Nike go, Nike, that's interesting, isn't it? A lot of people got shoes then on. Get out, Nike, in the name of Jesus. Go, Nyx, 
We break your power. Pietro, Persephone, in the name of Jesus. Go, 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 go. We break your power, queen of the underworld, in the name of Jesus. Fime, go. Rhea, get out, in the name of Jesus. Selene, go, 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 in the name of Jesus. Stero, sticks. Lord, I thank you that every river of death be dried up as rivers of living water flow out of the bellies of God's people and the rivers of death are dried up. Sticks is dried up in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Tegete, Terescore, Thalia, the Aranese, the Graces. Get out, get out, get out, get out. Spirit of retribution and vengeance, we break your power in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the Muses, all you Muses, all nine Muses, go, 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 go. Get out in Jesus' name. Themis, go. Thetis, go. Tyche, go. Urania, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. And I now break the power of the Enneads, the Egyptian gods, in Jesus' name. Go. Adam, go. Shu, go. Tefnut, go. Geb, Nut, Osiris, Iris, Seth, the Nephthys, go. In the name of Jesus, go. Horus, get out. All Mithraic spirits, you have to go. Spirit of Mithra and all those Persian gods, let them go in the name of Jesus. Every spirit that they can handle being set free from, out now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask you to remove any fallen angels and any human spirits from astral projection in the name of Jesus and every spirit that would suck the life and the hope out of God's people in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you pour out your spirit and you raise them up as warriors to fight the good fight, to see the truth and proclaim it, and to proclaim the good news of the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much for your time and laying out this incredible teaching and for the prayer. Randy, we really appreciate it. It was really fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. And do come back and see us again. I'll do it. Thank you for having me, Sheila. Have a blessed one. Thanks, Randy. Folks, that was Randy Ritchie. And that was a fantastic teaching. And weren't we so blessed to have that? I also linked his website in the description below. And we're out of time. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless.